Hey everybody, Jeff Desiato here. This is episode 27 of the Real Person, Real Needs podcast. My guest on the podcast today is George Bruno. Now, to say that George is a professionally licensed barber is almost like doing him a disservice. I prefer to use the term renaissance man. After earning degrees in criminal justice, pastoral studies, and a master's in education, George spent 22 years of his career building someone else's dream. That's when he decided to become an entrepreneur and pursue his own dream. He's truly one of the most fascinating individuals I've ever met. Whether he's posting videos of beard grooming tips, sharing random insights on father-son relationships and cigars, or simply enjoying a summer evening while listening to Sinatra, George is truly comfortable in his own skin, something which he uses to his advantage when driving his business. If you're looking for a straight razor shave and a great conversation, George is your guy. But be sure to block out enough time. With George, you can never run out of things to talk about. I asked George to start off by giving a little of his backstory. So sit back and enjoy our conversation. Backstory is, uh, I was the first person in my family to go to college. Grandfather said, always have something you can do with your hands. Yeah. <laughs> and it just made sense. You know, yeah. just ha- and a lot of people, you hear a lot of the old school people saying that. A lot of immigrants will say that. Things like, uh, you know, just have a trade, have something to fall back on. And I didn't take it that seriously because I came from a blue-collar family. Mm-hmm. Everybody with rough, calloused hands and stuff. Never. Some people called me a pencil pusher you <laughs> That's know, when, what I, I was. when I went yeah. to college. You know, yeah. and it was, so I, I went to school, got a master's in education, had a 22-year career. I had cut hair all along, but never did it for a living. I come from a family that cuts hair. Mother and father both cut hair. And uh, there's a couple different ways of, of going into business and moving towards your dreams. And, and, you know, one is just jumping into it when you're a kid, uh, when you're young, you know, late teens, early 20s, whatever. And then another great way of doing it is after you've worked for a while in the corporate world and you're somebody's property and they tell you when to come, when to go. And it's just not a good thing. It's yeah. just, it's, um, you start feeling used and abused. Uh, and I think that's just the way of the corporate world. Yeah. I think that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, you have the, you have these moments where you might say things like, you know, there's got to be more to life than this. Yeah. Just, <laughs> and, and you have these moments where you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this for the next 20, 30, 40 years. That's just not going to happen. I, so you have to start making moves towards independence. But the biggest obstacles are the people in your life, especially those who've had traditional careers who are always talking about security. What about security? What about that regular paycheck? What about... And my response is, well, what about hating what you do and yeah. feeling miserable at the end of every day? And when you get up in the morning, you're, the first words out of your mouth are, oh, I can't believe what I have to do today. <laughs> and then after a while, you just stop saying it and you live it. Yeah. You you end up just like living miserably. You feel miserable. Your your ride to work is not fun. You and it just uh, and you and you start bearing that pressure physically. You start feeling your you start having a, a sense of doom. In yeah. A sense. Oh yeah. Your shoulders are slouched. Hopelessness. And you carry yourself. It's totally hopelessness. Yeah. yeah. And you see the story of like someone who. I don't know, just made a widget and started yeah. selling it somewhere. And then they, you know, opened, they started selling it in a mall parking lot, opened up the trunk of their car and sold 
500, 500 of these things in, you know, four hours. And, and when you start seeing stories like that, you start thinking to yourself, my gosh, I could do that. Yeah. That person's not smarter than me. I can do that. And, but then again, you're always fighting the people. But what about security? You got to have the regular job. You got to have that regular pay. What about benefits? So it's almost as if you're working for security and benefits, which are so highly overrated. You have to take the risk. You have to just kind of not give a darn about what other people think, especially those that are closest to you who want the security. And it's mainly family members. Yeah, I'm finding that, you know, there are, you know, my dad worked for uh, General Electric for 26 years and has a pension and all that. I think the days of anyone working for anyone for 20, 30, 40 years, I think those days are over with. Of course. So I think now the only security you have is the security you make for yourself. Yeah. Look at the unemployment lines now. It's not, it's not, uh, tradesmen that are out of work. Yeah. It's college educated people that are standing in the lines Mm. Plumbers don't lose work. Yeah. <laughs> Haircutters don't lose. There's always people that need their haircut. There's always pipes bursting and, and faucets leaking. So trades are a really good thing. It's a good fallback thing, but I've discovered that it's not just a fallback thing. It's It can be your meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to live an extravagant life, so you have to do something a little bit different. You have to go above and beyond. You, you can't be the... You just can't be the typical what a fill in the blank. You have to go above and beyond. You have to exceed the expectations of not only your customers, but of the people in the industry. So if you have to put your spin on it and reinvent your industry, no matter how it is. Yeah, uh, differentiation. Yeah, completely exactly. differentiation. I mean, I, I am so, like, I, since I've been cutting hair, it's interesting. One of the things I know is that when people come to me, it doesn't matter where they come from. They passed 20, 30, or 40 barbershops or salons by the time they get to my chair. Yeah. So I'm really grateful about yeah. that. It's like, wow, you could have made a stop 20 times before you got to me, but you chose me. So mm-hmm. what's kind of interesting is if you don't differentiate yourself, and no matter what you do, no matter yeah. what you do, you're just, it's going to end up being like that corporate job again. Mm-hmm. You're going to end up with like that feeling of doom. You're going to end up bearing that, that, uh, I don't know, that despair in your body, you know? And I think for a man, and I'll, I can speak for men yeah. because I am a man, yeah. uh, we, if you have anything traditional in you, you want to be a good provider. So that's kind of like mm-hmm. the pressure that we have on us as men. And I know there's a lot of women that have great careers, and that's fine. And then there's women who choose to be moms, and that's fine. Then there's women who choose careers and to be moms and so forth. And... I never wanted to rely on my wife's income. I want to be able to I want to be able to provide for my family on my income alone. And then her income can be used for other things and for savings and for family purposes and so forth. But uh, I I never liked the idea of having to rely on two incomes just to have a basic lifestyle, mm-hmm. to pay mortgage, pay rent, to, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. So um, there is some of that pressure, but for me, I use that to motivate me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that, that, uh, keeps me going. You know, I want, I want the best for my kids. I want, want the best for my family. I want the best for myself. Mm-hmm. I don't, we all know stories of people that like 
work their whole lives and then just drop dead. I don't want to be one of those yeah. people. I mean, you have no control over dropping yeah. dead. But, you know, I think I think the whole thing is that we want to have uh, some control over our direction and that there's an aha moment when we realize that we do have control over that, that we're not doomed to this Monday through Friday, nine to five kind of thing. And there's life beyond that. And, or, and that we're capable of so much more than just punching the clock. Yeah. I think um, you said hit on a couple of things that I've talked about on the podcast before, uh, mainly the idea that people are going to school and getting something that says they're qualified for a job and there's no work out there because they haven't actually had to go out and find work. Because I think that's one way that our education system fails is that we, they don't, we don't teach people how to create. We teach people how to fall in line in a lot of ways. So, mm-hmm. and, don't we, and unfortunately, uh, not to get overly political, it, it, we've kind of, our society has squashed the entrepreneur squashed it. completely. And squashed yeah, it. we don't, we don't Self-reliance. celebrate that. Yeah. Self-reliance is gone. We get, uh, you know, I, I, it's interesting. I, I work with, with, with a couple people who will remain nameless <laughs> and the company will remain nameless. Yeah. One has a degree in anthropology. One has a degree in fashion. And neither one of them is doing anthropology or fashion yeah. and they're doing slightly above minimum wage in a retail world. And what's interesting is um, they think now the answer is, well, maybe I'll go back and get a master's degree. Yeah. Oh, gee, that'll help. That'll just put you more in debt <laughs> yeah. and make you more cynical and make you want to rely more on Uncle Sam yeah. and someone else. So I I'm all about like, you know, you got various presidential candidates yeah. to, to get to get uh, political here. Just yeah. for a second, I you got one guy saying free college for everybody, which just basically means that more unemployment lines for yeah. every because college does not lead to no, it it's it seems like it's a a reward or something attractive, but it really isn't a college education. Is not, I say I'll vote for the guy that offers free sales training for everybody. Yeah, give the world free sales training, and you'll teach them how to. Make a living. You'll teach them how to feed themselves yeah. and become less dependent. But God forbid the government actually has citizens that you know can rely on themselves. Because yeah. nobody would get elected yeah. if people only <laughs> relied on themselves. We vote for we vote for people who can give us stuff yeah. and provide for us. And I don't know. As an entrepreneur, the only thing I want is I want the government to get out of the way, <laughs> get out of my way, and. Make the world, make my country a generally safe thing. Yeah. That's it. That's all I want from you. I don't want anything else. (laughs) Safe so that I can go out and earn a living. Absolutely. And be myself and not be punished or or held back in any way. And I want to keep more of my money. Yeah. (laughs) I want to, you know, I don't want to work hard so so my money goes to people who don't want to work hard. Yeah. That's just, you know, and I have nothing... How dare taking... you say something like that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you put it down in the, in and, the plain and no... tax, you know, or you tech know... context. You, it sounds like it makes total sense, but some people don't want to hear it. Yeah. Um, but something you also said that was interesting is that the idea of people walking past 20 to 30 salons or, or, or barbershops or, or whatever. Uh, I, you know, obviously I work in real estate, so I, I totally agree, understand that where there's it's almost over overly saturated all the more important that you bring what you offer to the table and i think a lot of times people are they want to fit the mold of what they perceive to be what a barber is supposed to be or what a real estate agent is supposed to be or whatever the industry you're in 
Absolutely. instead of flipping it on its head and using that Absolutely. to your advantage. Look at industries that just completely re reinvented the product or the industry. I mean, one of my favorite marketers is Jay Abraham, and he talks about the strategy of preeminence. And it reminds me of like what psychologists used to do when they when they used to do this uh, word association. A therapist would interview you and say it say one word after another, and he'd say, "Well, tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say cat." When I say car, you know, like, yeah. and then they would have a standardized way of evaluating what your responses are. Well, the strategy of preeminence is when I say plumbing, the first thing you think of is Horizon Services. Yeah. When I say real estate, first thing I think of is Jeff Desiato. You know what I mean? Yeah. So working on your strategy of preeminence where when people hear your industry, bam, your face comes to their mind. That's what it's all about. That's what entrepreneurship is. It's not about just like falling in line and being like a hundred other people. You're just reinventing the industry. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, something that you do insanely well is is doing that, at least from my perspective. If I think of a barber or a hair, I think of George Bruno. So why don't you just kind of give a little brief background as far as um, how you're using social media and how you... Uh, have seen the benefits of really putting your personality in the forefront as opposed to just the services you offer and making it more about George Bruno, the person, and your philosophy as opposed to, hey, I can trim a, a mustache for you. you know yeah. What I mean? so. yeah, basically I, I utilize most of the, of the effective social media and I'm still learning some yeah. things like WhatsApp and Snapchat and so forth. Uh, I'm strong on Instagram at George A. Bruno. Uh, Facebook, my Facebook page is George Bruno Luxury Hair Experience. Uh, and my YouTube channel, Gray Bailey, is just basically dedicated to hair and grooming and fashion and that kind of stuff. And it's just basically me talking. When I first started doing it, I was real scripted. I was real outlined. And then I, when I was watching my own media, I was just observing how robotic I was yeah. and how... And I'm thinking, it looks like I'm reading from a script. It looks like I'm telepromptering. Yeah. I just so if I just have a basic idea, like three bullet points that I want to convey, I have those in my head, and I'm smart enough to talk about those things. Just like I'm having coffee with somebody, or just yeah. sitting down, you know, taking a walk with someone and chatting. And I look at the camera when I do video as if someone's there with me, and I'm just talking. Yeah. And I find that that that's the for me, that has been the most effective use of social media is just uh, people like, for instance, when I meet people who have when I when I encounter people who have never physically in person met, but they've been fans of mine on Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. One of the first things out of their mouth always is I feel like I know you. <laughs> There's already a familiarity there. Yeah. And I think that's the that is kind of like the burden that's placed upon the person um, like for instance, there are some music artists that hire publicists and like, for instance, the, and I'm not going to mention any names because yeah. I really like these guys, but f just when I thought he was doing his own Facebook, I see these third party kind of statements like so-and-so will be playing tonight at, and I'm like, I knew there was a publicist <laughs> there as opposed to certain artists that say, I will be playing at, so I can't yeah. wait to see you guys. Thank you so much for your support. And I'm like, yes, the dude is doing his own publicity. Yeah. Like, like for instance, like I dig Michael Bloodgood. There was this 
this heavy metal group back in the 80s called Bloodgood, and it was like this Christian heavy metal. It was yeah. just <laughs> hardcore. And Michael Bloodgood does all his own uh, social media. Yeah. Interacts with people. Uh, uh, what uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Medlock from uh, guitarist for Leonard Skinner does all his own social media. Wow! I mean, just it's just I can have a chat with him online, yeah. and I'm like, wow, Skinner is like one of my favorite groups. This yeah. is amazing. <laughs> so it's not some publicist. It's not like you don't get the feeling that you're really far away from the person. Yeah, you know when when. You know, when like the lead guitarist from Leonard Skinner sees a picture of yours on Instagram and says, hey, I really like that tie. <laughs> I'm like, dude, yeah. yes. So there's like a there's a, a person there. And I think that's the key with social media is to yeah. say, stay human, stay professional and uh, do it consistently. Yeah. Stay in touch with people. You know, it, it's like, for instance, uh, it, in like YouTube Content Creators Academy, they say you got to just upload at least once a week, stay in touch with your audience. Have to do it. Yeah. If you don't do it, they lose. You know, it's it's like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, so. that's yeah consistency. That's the thing I struggle with too. Because also, you know, you're you're doing it for the reason of getting yourself out there, and then when it's successful, you're busier. So it's harder to build. You have to build it into your schedule and make it a priority. Have to. Yeah, I spend an hour a day. My first hour drinking coffee, sitting at the kitchen table, returning emails. And answering comments on all my social media, just personally doing it. Yeah. It's at the point now, I didn't even think it was, like, before it used to take me like a minute to answer questions. Now it's like literally an hour. And it's at the point where, like, wow, this is getting to be like a job now. Yeah. It's, so I have to carve that time out. Yeah. It's important. Now, I noticed, um, just in looking at your social media, you had a video recently that exploded on YouTube, at least for someone that I know it exploded. I mean, it was mm -hmm. like 35,000 plus, plus views. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it was probably the one, the highest views that you have up, mm -hmm. to, up to this point. But it yeah. seems like when you have something like that, what is, what is that like? Or was there any one thing that you did to attract more attention to that mm. particular video? Or was it... Because, I mean, you see the comments, people are just like, this is awesome, yeah. and they're, yeah. they're really buying what yeah. you're yeah. offering. I, I, th I think the key is um, you have to find groups that are related to what you do and contribute to those groups, and people start pointing and clicking and finding you and just yeah. kind of... People's personal clickstream behavior ends up funneling towards your video. Yeah. And if you interact with people, they say, this is a real person. As opposed to this is just a publicist or a, yeah, yeah. a a person's social media strategist putting this stuff out. So I think the key is getting involved in other online groups. Yeah. Uh, like for instance, I have one like a beard video that's taking off right now on beard trimming. Yeah. And I went to like the beards.org page on Facebook, and I posted my video and I said, "Hey guys, I think you might like this." I wasn't pushing anything yeah. on them. It needed. Uh, uh, what's the, what do they call the person? It needed moderate. It needed a moderator to approve of it. And a day later, it said the moderator approved of your post. Put it on. Bam! I got five thousand new hits. Wow. So something like that. Endorsement from similar industries. I've, one of the things I always uh, in my social media efforts. In the past year, I've asked myself the question, is it better be high-rated or award-winning? 
<laughs> Award winning is from peers, but that doesn't make me money. Yeah. Getting recognition from other people in your industry is cool, but it doesn't add to your bottom line. Yep. Getting high ratings from your customers and potential customers and customers that are currently in the pipeline pays better than <laughs> winning awards. Yeah. So I would encourage everyone, think about this. What is award winning and what is being highly, highly rated in your industry? To me, it doesn't help me to be to get props from other people in my industry. Although I appreciate it, it doesn't pay my bills. Yeah. The ratings from customers that my hands touch, the ratings from the people who I interact with on a daily basis matter more to me because that puts more money in my bank account. Yeah. And I do better with higher ratings than winning awards and plaques and so forth. Although it's nice to be recognized, um, you know, recognition and a buck fifty yeah. buy a cup of coffee at the <laughs> yeah. local diner. So. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think of it like when you, you hear about these movies and they're critically just tortured and they're like, we can't understand why people are going and buying and they're, they, you know, they're $100 million movies yeah. because they don't really, like the point it, for that movie, not every movie is made to win an award. Right. Some movies are made to entertain and only entertain. Right. So you get these movies that have one star and people are flocking to see them because they laugh their, you know, they laugh mm -hmm. their heads off yeah. or they, yeah. they just, it was silly or it was funny. Yeah. Uh, it, and because they know who they're marketing to. And I, I actually mentioned this on the, the last uh, podcast was when I, when I changed course and I realized that I was starting to fall into the realtor world. And start because out of desperation, you're like, okay, well, it's working for these people. I just need something. So you start to kind of copy. Whereas when I first started, I was like, I want to be different. I want to do, you know, <clears throat> be true to who I am. As soon as I kind of shifted gears and started to really dis delink and disconnect from the, the realtor uh, model, mm -hmm. I started to get criticized by either fellow realtors or people in the mortgage industry. And they're questioning, like, what are you doing? Like, you're going crazy. Like send, I send a newsletter out monthly to my sphere and it's mostly just personal stuff. It's not like, hey, send me all your referrals and all that. It doesn't have a call to action. It's just like, hey, like we moved and it was really tough and it made me think about how tough it is uh, on people to actually go through the process of moving even though I work in real estate. You know, like just kind of being a little bit more honest and open. And people were really like taken back. Like you can't do this. It's never been done. You're bucking the trend. And I, I said, I realized it's like, okay, well, all the feedback I'm getting from the people that I actually would get business from, they're loving what I'm doing. They're emailing and saying, wow, it's really nice that you shared this and I'm really enjoying the things that you're posting and all that stuff. And the people who didn't like it were my direct competition, essentially. So I found it very, at first I was like, oh no, maybe I'm doing something wrong. But like you said, it's like, I'd rather get the people who I'm going to get money from, essentially, you know, to, to say it in a frank, uh, crass way to like what I'm doing, as opposed to the people who are maybe a little fearful that I'm doing something that's attracting more attention than just a postcard about how to winterize your pipes, you know, <laughs> like, or whatever that the yeah. other realtors are sending out. You know, it's interesting. There was, there was an actor in one of the first horror movies ever made, uh, Nosferatu, the actor Max Schreck, who played Count Orlock, the the vampire. It was a, a black and white silent vampire film. 
they said like like when the when the director said okay break you know it's lunchtime and everybody would go and do their thing and and you know be back here in two hours we'll resume shooting he would never leave character <laughs> he stayed vampire the whole time so he would sit in the corner and he had like these long fingernails he wouldn't take them off he wouldn't take his makeup off or anything like that he remained in character to the point where other actors in the film said maybe he really is a vampire. <laughs> they actually thought, there were some people that thought that they hired a vampire to play a vampire because he never left character. Wow. The guy was amazing. Yeah. He didn't just like, all of a sudden, you know, he talked about method acting. Yeah, it's like Daniel Day-Lewis. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you hear exactly, about that. Exactly, yeah. same thing. He just never left, yeah. left character the whole time. Uh, I, I heard something like that recently too. I was trying to think. Oh, it was uh, with The Walking Dead. There was a, one episode that, that took um, 11 days to shoot and uh, the woman uh, who plays Carol, she was with another woman who was in this one episode, a very, a very, very uh, stressful episode. And during the 11 days, they made like a pact with each other that they weren't going to leave character. Wow. That the woman, uh, uh, oh, I forget the woman who plays Carol, what her name is. <clears throat> Anyways, she stayed Carol for eleven days, wow. and, the other, and the other woman stayed her. And even like lunch breaks, when the director said cut, they stayed in character and acted like the two characters that they were playing for eleven wow. days straight. And it showed in this oh, wow. episode. It was so deep and just like wow, it was amazing. Yeah. So I think the idea is to just go above and beyond. Just don't. <clears throat> Here's the thing: you don't want to compete. Yeah. When you're in competition, what are you doing? You're always looking behind you to see who's at your heels. So forget competition. The idea is to dominate. When you dominate, you have no competition. Yeah. And the idea is just to be the best at what you do and not really give a rip about what anyone thinks. Yeah. And just go for it. Yeah. It's reinventing your industry. I mean, there was a time when everybody made... I mean, think about it. You know, the, the concept of, like, plumber butt. You yeah. Know? Okay, the guy with his with his pants halfway down his bottom, you know what I mean? And he's dragging mud in and, and whatever. And then all of a sudden comes along a service like Horizon Services. Not to promote them. Yeah. I have no interest yeah. or any stake in them. But yeah. think about it. They put booties on before they even walk in your house. They're all standardized. They wear the same uniform. They clean up. Uh, a independent agency calls the consumer... How was the visit? Was the person friendly? Were they, you know, did they did they work to your satisfaction? And here they took something like a a simple trade, a humble trade, and turned it into an incredible profession. Yeah. So you can take the most, you know, the the most simple thing in the world and turn it into a highly paid profession if you reinvent your protocol and your yeah. procedures. Yeah, you create a new category that you're dominating that category for sure. Tony Completely. Robbins talks about that a lot about like Tony Robbins yeah. is incredible. Yeah, like in the idea way. of like if you're in a in a particular category, start a new category. <laughs> you know, even mm -hmm. if it's somewhat related, mm -hmm. you don't do what they do. You do what yeah. you do, and then you are dominating that category. And then everybody's playing catch up to you, and you're not you're not concerned about that. I think that's really that's really interesting. I would be remiss obviously just based on our our uh our shared love of performance and stuff. Um, you mentioned acting and that kind of thing. And I know that's one of the first things that we really kind of connected about. And you also pursue 
those opportunities as well. So I want to give you an opportunity to just kind of share a little bit about that. Similar to how I got involved in being self-employed was I wanted to own my time and I wanted to be able to, and I'm very open about it on the, on the podcast and people who know that I'm a real estate agent also know that I'm an aspiring actor and all that stuff. Uh, I see no reason to delineate between the two. I think it's it's about who you are. But uh, being someone who also uh, has pursued acting and uh, either is still involved in it or and done modeling and things like that, um, is that was your decision to become a tradesman and to get your license and continue to pursue that? Was the acting thing still a part of that decision, or is that something that's kind of taken a back seat a little bit? Uh. I, I still do both in a way to dominate. The stories that I tell are when I was 25 years old, my waist was 30 inches, I had dark hair and a dark beard, I would go and audition and there would be 200 guys that look like me auditioning for the same role. Now that I'm closer to 60 than I am to 50, I go and audition somewhere, my hair is grayer, I have a white beard, there's three guys. What happened to the other 297? <laughs> well, life yeah. happened. Discouragement <laughs> happened. If it was easy, everybody would do it. You know, yeah. you know, everyone's grandmother would say that. If it was easy, then everybody would yeah. do it. You know? so, but here's the deal. One strategy for, for winning is not quitting. Yeah. <laughs> How did I make it this far? I just didn't quit. Yeah. The other 297, I don't know what happened to them. You know, out of the 300 guys that audition... Three are still actors and models. And what's interesting, you have to do something to, to differentiate yourself at everything that you do. So I grew a beard. Yeah. The past year, I grew a beard. It's now my business card. I let my agents know this. I said, uh, the beard is not a seasonal thing now. It's on me. It's there to stay. It's part of who I am. So if you need a middle-aged guy with a white beard, I'm your guy. Yeah. <laughs> so now when I audition, guess what? There might be one other guy wow. and not dozens of others. So I differentiated, differentiated myself. I'm not com- I kind of created my own market by yeah. doing this because what happens is I'm the guy with the white beard. Yeah. And there's not a lot of guys with white beards now. So w- what's interesting is how – and big white beards. That's, yeah. that's kind of the neat thing. So there, is, there, is my phone ringing off the hook? No. But I know one thing that I differentiated myself to the point where it's almost certain that I'll get that I'll be getting direct bookings as yeah. opposed to just rolling the dice yeah, every single time. Yeah. And I and I just can't I can't afford to take time off from work to audition, yeah. go for callbacks and then a full shooting day and then when you you know, you divide the number of hours that you put into it times what you're getting paid it comes down to minimum wage. It's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely that the, the, you want to be coming from a position of authority where instead of you begging, people are coming to you, you know, and, and you know, you're not even having a concern. Like if you get a call, you know, it's for a role that you're going to stand out and there's that greater likelihood that it's just going to be a perfect fit as opposed to just like chasing after. Every and it's a strategy yeah. preeminence. Yeah, exactly. Right. We need a guy. We need a guy with a white beard. Wait, I know somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I mean, the Sultan of Silver, as you call it. You know, like that's a, I that think has so that. worked. Yeah, that has, it's great. I was teaching someone the other day, a guy who's a, a he's a, a math teacher at Plymouth White Marsh High School. He's been there for a couple decades. Brilliant guy. He's also an actor. He's been in many commercials and some crime dramas in New York. But 
and he has the flexibility in the summer to audition and shoot and so forth. And I said, you know, what is your what is your thing? You know? Yeah. And uh, he says he loves statistics. And I said, well, then take statistics and make it make it uh, edible for the common man. Like Bill Nye, the science yeah. guy, used to, you know, took very difficult principles and became like a kid's show. Yeah. So kids grew up knowing why water boils. Yeah. You know, why it why it converts to steam. Because he did it in a fun way. I said, be the you know, I said, let's just take a let's just take a look at the word king. And I went to thesaurus.com and I said, let's find words that start with S. And he came up, he, he was the Shah of statistics. And I said, <laughs> I said okay. I, you know, so we, uh, you know, he says, well, I can't be the sultan of statistics. And I said, well, you can be. I said, but let's just, you know, and it's because you will be that because you call yourself that. Yeah. Howard Stern was the king of all media. It was a title he gave to himself. Michael Jackson's the king of pop. He gave that to himself. It wasn't like a bunch of people got in a room and decided, yeah. hey, let's call, you know, it wasn't a conclusion that the public came to. What are you? Make that name for yourself. Use it to market yourself. And, you know, bounce it off a few people. And just some people might say, hey, you know what? That's got a ring to it. Yeah. And you got it. Bam. That's it. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to have you on regularly because I just think that it, you're just fascinating. <laughs> um, so I really appreciate you taking the time. So why not, uh, as we wrap up, um, just give people your your contacts and stuff again. You, you know how they can follow you yeah. on Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff. On Instagram, it's at George A. Bruno, and it's dedicated to hair uh, and nothing else. The hair industry. My YouTube channel is Gray Bailey. Gray like the color, and Bailey like the name. Gray Bailey. What I did was I went to a uh, I went to like a baby names website and I looked at names that could be male or female, Gray and Bailey, because eventually some of my YouTube stuff is going to be dedicated to women's beauty, fashion, skincare, oh, and that kind of stuff. Right now I'm working my way through men. I have over 50 videos just dedicated to, to facial hair, you know, and then I'm going to go to uh, skincare, then hairstyles, and then I'll make the move uh, to women's uh, hair and skin and so forth. So I wanted to pick something. And my goal is to build up the company, Gray Bailey, so I can sell it to Paul Mitchell or Redkin yeah. for $60 million, yeah. and then I can go where I want to go. Uh, but that's my contact, at George A. Bruno on Instagram, Gray Bailey on YouTube, or georgebruno.com. That's great. And uh, also, you do something I totally forgot to bring up, was that you, you created your own line of, of beard care products. Yes. And uh, can people where can people get that kind of stuff? At my website. Okay. GeorgeBruno.com. That's it. Yeah. All right, George, thank you so much. I You're really welcome. appreciate it. So, uh, Godspeed to you. Thank A you. pleasure. Thanks. Well, that's all for the conversation today. As you can imagine, I could have talked to George for hours, but we got to limit it to the 30 minutes or so that we usually have on the podcast. For more information about George and what he's up to, you can check out his website, georgebruno.com, at George A. Bruno on Instagram, facebook.com. You can search George Bruno Luxury Hair Experience, or you can look up the YouTube channel, Gray Bailey. If you enjoyed today's episode, 
Email me, jeff at realpersonrealneeds.com, G-E-O-F-F at realpersonrealneeds.com. And as always, be like George. Live authentically, live generously in the midst of a superficial and greedy world. Until next time, thanks for listening and Godspeed. In the silence, I am waiting.